Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Asa, this third king of Judah, the fifth king following the house of David, he was the son of Abiham, the grandson of Rehoboam, Rehoboam, who was the great-grandson of Solomon the king. The Hebrew, the Hebrew Bible in its notes gives the period of his reign to be about 41 years. His, his season of service was between 913 B.C. and 873 B.C. He was followed in the kingdom by the great Jehoshaphat, his son. This man, Asa, was a zealous man in maintaining traditional worship to the Lord. The things of God were important to him. And the things that he had been taught were important to him. The things that he had learned from his father were quite important to him. He was, he was zealous in maintaining the worship and the kingdom of God. But also, he didn't stop at the worship, but he was also zealous in rooting out idolatry and dealing with the things that come with idolatry. In the passage that I read, that he removed his mother from being queen because of her idol worship. And he was willing, he was willing to take on his own mother and withstand her to make sure that the things of God were appreciated. I think that you and I live in a day that is a day that is many things are changing. I think that if you if you look at the way that Things are done on every level, whether it is in your, your natural world. Uh, you go to Walmart, and there was a time when that you'd go to Walmart and stand in a line. They would say they'll never close any of the registers, and you can always go through the line, but it doesn't matter how many registers are open. It seems like there was always a line until they invented those little robots that you can do your own checkout, and you can do your own payment, and you can leave and buy the same junk that you bought at Walmart 25 years ago. You see, I think every part of our society is greatly influenced by by the onslaught of technology and the onslaught of these things that we call modern, modern convenience. My friend Richard Davis Many of you have a book that I've given you that Brother Davis wrote. But he made a comment the other day. He simply asked the question. He says, can you remember the days when you used to be outside and you had to walk outside, from outside to inside, to take a phone call? Does anybody remember? The kids would holler, hey, Daddy, come answer the phone. Dad would stop what he's doing have to get up and walk in the house. And in those days, we thought it was so wonderful when we started getting these longer and longer phone cords. You know, the phone cord, the phone was in the hallway or the phone was in the kitchen. 
but it could stretch down the hall. It could stretch through three doors up the staircase and into some kid's bedroom. And the problem with that is, is, is when somebody got in a hurry and they forgot to look for the phone cord before they barrel out in the hallway, they get the clothesline effect on the phone cord because you just would catch that thing and, and great great tumult would ensue, in the, would ensue in your family if you're the one that was clotheslined in the hallway by some teenager's telephone call that was absolutely so important. And weren't you so thankful when we got these things called a cordless telephone where you could walk anywhere in your house and no longer was the danger of the, of the, fo- of the phone cord tripping anybody. And then we got those 900 megahertz telephones that you could literally go all the way to the mailbox uh, with your phone. This was bad for me because uh, I'm always a talker. And when I talk, I walk. And and when I walk, I wonder. And and with that 900 megahertz phone, um, uh, I could walk to the end of the driveway down the street a little way. But my tether was when my signal began to break up. I knew it was time to come back towards the house because I'd wandered, I'd wandered too far from the source. And, and then, of course, who can, ever, who can ever question the magic and the mystery and the wonder of a, of a, of a telephone that, that can go anywhere? And then we got phones that were not just car phones or cell phones. Then they got smart and they, they got so smart that they, be, they made, these phones are so smart that they've made slaves out of me and you. Amen. We have people in our church who have osteoporosis where their backs are bending and their shoulders are slumping because they spend too many hours in this position right here. We have people who, who, who go to the mall. Uh, this is serious. Some of you have done this. You go to the mall. And you've got your phone up here like this, and you're looking at it and acting the fool, taking a picture of yourself down there. And just because, and, 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 and it's rightfully, it's rightfully called a smartphone because it's smarter than you are because you never acted that way. You put that thing in your hand and it made you act crazy. We live in a, a, a changing, a changing day. Has anybody ever had to have computer help and you, and it used to be you'd have to know somebody that would work on a computer and you'd get your buddy to come over to your house and, and fix it. But then you, then you had these help desks that you'd call for help and, and they would say, just click on this one thing. And all of a sudden, somewhere a hundred miles away, they took over your computer and you saw pages changing and you saw things happening and, and you realized that you had given control of that thing over to someone else and they were fixing your problems for a hundred miles away. And and then and then you realize that you realize that man, this is different. We're living in a a different day. But even even in a a new day, even in a day when everything seems to be changing, uh, there's still some things that are basic that we've got to hang on to. There's no smart technology that takes the place of a Saturday night bath. I'm telling you, there's no iPhone can do that for you, my friend. There's, there's, no, there's no layers of machine that can take the stink away. You've got to do some basic things in this life. And, and, and I, I want to I talk about bridging, some of the bridges that have to happen 
uh, in, in our worlds today. Asa, Asa had brought to the house of God two things. And his new day and this generation where there was uh, a, a passing of the mantle between generations. And let me pause here. This happens in every, every generation. You know, in your family, there's times when you were, as a parent, you had to tell those kids everything to do. Am I right? And when they started growing up, they thought they had to tell you everything to do. That's the stage I'm in right now. My kids think they have to tell me everything to do. But I know there's coming a day when they're going to have to tell me everything to do. Because that's what's natural. And we cannot stop generational growth. And we can't stop the clock. And, and, and sad to say, I, I want to tell you that I still act like I'm 28 years old. But there's parts of me that don't function in the way that they functioned when I was 28 years old. Because life changes. And the clock moves along. And so I think we have to embrace the fact that there are generational changes that happen to every one of us. And it's important for us to be able to accept them, accept them gracefully. And Asa, Asa was building a new church. He was, he was involved in moving the kingdom of the Lord forward in his day. And when he was doing this, when they moved in, it says he brought two things. He brought some things that his father had dedicated to the Lord. He, he brought those things that had been consecrated to God by his father. And then it says he brought some things that he himself had dedicated to God. He brought in the old things. He brought them forward. But also, also there were some new things that, that he had consecrated to God that he had, that he had embraced as well. He brought the old and he brought the new. And he had the wisdom to realize you have to have both in any living organism of people. And, and you saw this this morning. We've, we, sang, uh, we sang some songs this morning that, that, were, that, are, that are new. I, and, I, and new songs are relative because some of these new songs we sing are 20 years old, 25 years old. And, and, and we, we call them new songs. But in all reality, that they, they were... They were being sung before some of our adults were even born. And, and, but we call them new songs. But also, this morning, they incorporated, without my request, uh, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, uh, just to take him at his word." This is a song that is many, many decades old. And so, and so we, we bring old things forward. And then we, we, also, we also have to embrace new things to move forward when when i hear people fuss about around the church about church is not like it used to be i have to stop and say the world's not like it used to be you're not like you used to be and i found this and this is just a little pastoral uh, fault here. The people who complain about things not being like they used to be, not a one of them will give up their iPhone. Not a one of them will give up their air conditioning. Not a one of them will give up their leather and, and their and their forty thousand dollar vehicles. And none of them will move back at a house. You no, know, that has to have a coal oil lamp. Nobody will go back to to not having a bathroom in their house and go using that. Nobody wants to go back to that. But but it seems like there's ways that we want to keep the church uh, uh, rooted. And, 
and, and, and the methods of, of 50 or, or 75 years ago. I, I stood and marveled this week as a friend of mine had two sons lead the service at the general conference. One of those young men was asked to make the announcements and to receive the offering. And his other son, by design, was asked to preach a, a segment of that service. And I saw that young man call his father to the stage. And I was so so moved by by what he did by putting his arm around his dad and he said tonight I'm preaching in a venue my dad never got to preach and I, I'm able to do things today that I that my father was never allowed to do but I, I pledge to the world that I will never release some of the things that my father has taught me and brought me and there was a father and a son standing there on that platform this week and the clarion clear sound of we're moving forward in a generation that's different, but we're hanging on to righteousness and we're hanging on to truth and we're going to hang on to godliness. And this should be a message that echoes in every apostolic church in the United States. This should be a message that echoes every time there's, there's the opportunity or the moment that's inevitable of generational shifts because, uh, because age and things that are happening. Hear me today. We don't want to throw away the old things. We don't want to throw away the old ways of, of the old the old things that we've believed. However, at the same time, there will be methods that will adjust with the times and with the seasons. And while we may embrace some new methods, we must never embrace a new truth because the truth doesn't change. The truth doesn't. The truth does not vary. Amen. 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 Let me just pause for a moment this morning. And I don't, I don't want to go very long at all. But let me simply say, the new birth experience doesn't change. The Acts 2.38 message doesn't change. It, it still takes repentance. It still takes baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. It still takes the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidenced by the speaking in tongues. This is something that does not change. And I simply want to say whatever our tomorrow holds we better bring our we better bring our foundational truths with us and we better hang on to those things because they are absolutely so imperative whenever you get ready to see things happen and have a move of god you better be you better rest assured there's going there's going to be there's going to be some struggles there's going to be people who are going to maybe who maybe not want to move forward as fast and some things and that we completely respect however at the same time there's always a crowd that wants to throw away this and throw away that and get rid of this let me just give you an example of this I know most of most of our songs wind up being on the screens and and this this is this is wonderful but also uh, there's something inside of me that though we don't open those old song books very often they are still in these pews and they're still there and they're still available and we just don't know what service uh, that we might that I might decide to go old school and pull out page number 86 uh, of the songbook and sing 
ever, uh, that, uh, page 86 is Heaven's Jubilee, if I remember correctly. And I used to have these things by the, num- by the page number memorized. Now they don't hardly let me sing because uh, I think that I'm supposed to fill in the oohs and the ahs and the gaps. And, and every once in a while I forget and leave my fancy microphone on and, and I'll step off and, and their quiet place is where I think there needs to be an extra ooh, an extra ah, an extra oh yes. And I get rolled eyes at me and, and my precious daughter-in-law, she can roll her eyes with more drama than, than you can imagine. I tell her, baby, I hope they don't hang up like that because you look afflicted. But when you try to bridge the old and the new, when you try to move things forward because you want to be relevant in the day that you live in, but at the same time, you don't want to lose a New Testament truth. You don't want to lose a lifestyle that's conducive to what God has planned and what God ordained for us. I'm simply here this morning to say, I don't care if it's new or old. I do care care if it's not anointed. What's important to me is that the whoever is involved in that part of the service uh, that they be anointed. That they have spent time in prayer. That they have spent time in consecration. And whether we sing I am a friend of God or, or what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, I want there to be a witness uh, of the Holy Ghost uh, and anointing in that song or in that part uh, of a word experience we cannot we cannot accept church as usual and we can't accept we cannot accept unanointed worship and unanointed parts of our church there's got to be a witness of the anointing of the Holy Ghost amen 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 Hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just, some, some things that we do, I, I don't quite understand. I'll just, I'll just share this with you. There used to be a time that there was chairs all over here on the stage. And right over here, if you'll notice right above me, there's a speaker on the ceiling that goes off over there. It's been there for a long time. And the, the problem with that, the purpose of that speaker was when I had my pastoral throne chair sitting here, that was my speaker. It helped me here. But one day I came in here and my chair was gone and they told me I can't sit up here anymore and it hurt my feelings and because that's been my position in the kingdom for a long time let me simply say I don't ever want to have my part of the kingdom attached to positional authority I, I don't I, I want my part of the kingdom to be this way I want to be a worshiper I, I, I want to be somebody who responds to the spirit and I can do that sitting here or sitting over there where I sit now I can do that at any place in the church but I say I cannot do without doing that I cannot do without worshiping and I cannot do without praying and I cannot do without these things hear me church we do some things different now but we don't do them any less or with any less passion or with any less purpose because it's a new day but we've got to hang on we've got to hang on to those old things. 
Amen. Anointing. This, the way we do prayer meetings is different anymore. I remember for the first 20 years, we had this church every Saturday night. There was a prayer meeting in this place. And when there was many times a Saturday night prayer meeting would be as, as good a crowd as it was as a Sunday morning service. And there was some powerful times of prayer, but we had some shifts and some things that we began to do different. And now I'm just couldn't be more happy than what we do for instance on our first Monday prayer when at midnight tonight there'll be a prayer chain that will start here and it will go for 24 hours it will be unbroken people will pray people will seek the face of the Lord we'll gather here tomorrow night at 7 o'clock for a 30 minute segment of prayer that's not much I know it's not much but it's a whole lot better than none at all and we'll gather for that 30 minutes and there will be an anointing and a manifestation of the presence of God in that 30 minute segment of prayer at 7.30. Other things will, will happen here. Small groups and Bible studies. You know all that happens around here on Monday evenings. But I stand here today as we can't do without the prayer meeting and we can never grow to the place and, and, and having church and doing church that we can say prayer meetings are a thing of the past prayer meetings are not a thing of the past prayer meetings are important prayer meetings are mandatory getting together and praying with my brother praying with my sister lifting up the name of the Lord learning how to intercede learning how to find the anointing those things we've got to have those old things in this new day don't you think for a moment that we can mechanically have church and it will be good church. I say we may, we may make the mistake some weeks of mechanically going through a service, but you will never mechanically get the anointing of God. We've got to spend time in prayer and time in fasting and time in seeking the face of the Lord so there will be an anointing and a flow of the witness of the Holy Ghost. And I say in a new day, we've got to have the things that made the church great in the old day. But I don't want to go back to the way it was. I believe Jesus said greater things than these shall you do. I believe the church is going to get better. I believe the things of God are going to get greater. I think the miracles that we see are going to continue to grow and continue to happen. I don't want to be limited by the things of yesterday and the methods of yesterday. I absolutely believe leave there is God we've got to be embrace uh, today's methods so we can move forward into tomorrow's revival amen amen some of you quiet down when we have these type of discussions but let me let me simply say oh, we have an event coming at the end of October the last several years because we've used social media there will be literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of guests on this campus on that Sunday night. There was a few years ago, I would have said, bless God, if we don't have church on Sunday night, we all going to go to hell. This thing's going to fold up. But, you know, we've learned that there's some methods we can do a little bit different. And we will have, we won't, we won't be very spiritual out there in the parking lot and, and on, 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 the, and on the playground on that Sunday night. But we will be doing a spiritual work because we 
we will touch so many people. And every year after year, we see people, more people get connected to this church. And we're seeing people who begin to refer this as this is where they, they're going for social things. And they're beginning to show up some and involve themselves in some of our outdoor activities. And we've seen now how that some of the families that come for our social events, they came back this year. And we had several families who brought back children for a week of vacation Bible study or, or Bible school. They came back. And there was one guy that came dressed up like a pirate four or five years ago. He has not missed an event. I saw him walk in here and clap his hands and sing our songs with us during vacation Bible school. You may think that's not the way to do it, but I say I might not have ever got them on this campus if there hadn't been some candy in the trunk of a car. I might have never gotten on this campus if we hadn't had a vacation Bible school. And I say we embrace these things that we do today, but in that process, we're going to hang on to truth. We're going to hang on to prayer. We're going to hang on to fasting. We're going to hang on to the new birth. We're going to bring that forward. And in the 2000s and 2020 and 2030, this will still be a church that's apostolic in doctrine. It'll still be a church that's fundamental in its belief. It'll still be a church that believes in separation from the world. It will still be a church where men act like men, women act like women, and we live in a way that's pleasing to God. We live in a way that's separated from the world. We live in a way that's conducive to God-likeness. Amen. We absolutely, we, we absolutely, we absolutely can't set some of those things aside. And when I think of these things, uh, I marvel, I, I marvel at people who will hold their hand up and say, uh, I sure would like to preach a service or I sure would like to sing a song. I'm just going old timey pastoral on you, okay? Some of the problems is, is sometimes uh, we've got people that say they want to do something up front, but you can't depend on them to show up on a Wednesday night or you can't depend on them. Now, this is old-fashioned, all right? If I hurt your feelings, um, the old-timers will say, just get over it. Uh, but, but if I hurt your feelings this morning, let me just simply say, with all Christian kindness and loveness, loving and, and, and modern, uh, modern uh, what do they call it, political correctness, I don't intend to hurt your feelings, but, but, just, but just, just receive this this morning in the manner that, that it, just, it just comes out of my spirit. But we have people say, we want to preach a service, or we want to sing a song, or we want to be involved on this level. But you can't trust them to do that because you can't trust them to show up on a Wednesday night or you can't trust them to sign up for an hour of prayer on a 24 hour prayer chain. I'm not being ugly but I'm telling you if you want to run and be involved in the greater things of the kingdom you have to prove yourself to be involved in the lesser things of the kingdom. You think it's just a prayer chain. Put your name on the paper. Let us see. Let us know. You may pray at your house. That's fine. We don't care where you pray. Just give us your word. We're going to be involved in that pastor. And I'm here today to say faithfulness is something that's got to continue on. We don't set aside faithfulness for convenience sake. This is good. This I'm just going plum pastoral on y'all. So just, just pardon me in my folly, alright? We live in a day when we're busy. Everybody's busy. The people that's retired don't have time to do nothing. I mean, people are busy 
They are, they are, they are absolutely so busy. So we, so we have this technology that, that we have people that are going to do something somewhere. So they, they get these emails, these texts that they're, they're teaching in a certain class or they're singing on a particular service or they're going to be an usher in a certain service or they have particular things. And so people can and just simply with one push of a button, they click and say, I'll be there on Sunday morning or I'll be there on, and, and so they respond to that. But sadly, what can happen with this is because we have a modern method of communication people begin to schedule say well I can't uh, I've got to be at church uh, on on Sunday night uh, because I'm going to be one of the guys that works as an usher in that service uh, but I'm, I, I'm not going to be there Sunday morning because I'm going to stay over an extra night and just add to my vacation or I'm just going to sleep late or, or I, I'm, you understand what I'm saying we get to where we have a schedule at the church to where if we're not being used that service uh, we're not in that service all these things ought not to be the old timers would say ain't gonna happen that way church you be here you be here you be here and since I'm going to be pastoral this morning, I normally am really fluffy, I understand. And so pardon me on this. Let me just, let me just put it this way at the risk of offending somebody. You ought to always be ready to be used when you get here. This is good preaching. I mean, if you're not going to say amen, I'll amen myself. I'll shine my own shoes here this morning, all right? You ought to be ready. If you're an usher, you ought to be ready to be an usher. Even if you're not going to serve, be ready to be an usher. I mean, if you sing, you ought to be ready to sing. Don't show up here with your shirt tail hanging out if you sing. And, you, and, and there's, they may need you that service. I say be ready, be instant, in season, and be ready and out. Because we're going to do some things new and modern way. But we're going to still require, still requires faithfulness. Nobody will come back to church on Sunday night after this. <laughs> Amen. You know when the pastor says, five more minutes, or I'm closing, and there's always one guy that says, keep on preaching, pastor. <laughs> nobody likes that guy. <laughs> nobody. Nobody likes that guy. Am I right? Amen. Amen. We've got to obey the word of God. Amen. We've got to. Oh, it still calls for obedience to the word of God. There are still some things that's wrong. And there's some things we shouldn't do. And there's some things we have to do. And the word of God is clear on some of those things. We live in a day. If you don't like what happens around the church. You just swap churches. Never, people don't accept correction in the day we live in. Any sort of correction that's handed to the church, a pastor pastor is supposed to preach, and the word of God is good for reproof. That's one of those words, reproving and reproof. And so reproof means correction, and correction means we stop doing what we've been doing and do it a different way. And that's the that's the God design in the Word of God. But a, a postmodern American society that, that thinks that we've got to be so politically correct that we never, we never, we, the 
preacher can sure never say anything that, that might be considered offensive. And, 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 the, and the saint or the person hearing the message sure never has to accept anything that's called correction by the Word of God. Let me tell you something, people. The Word of God, when it's preached, it'll change life. And it will change things. And it will, it will clean some things up in your life. Amen. 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 And I wander off the reservation this morning, but there's a verse that talks about how the Word of God is sharp and powerful, and it refers it to a two-edged sword. And, what, and, and just my, my way to make that analogy this morning would be the Word of God cuts when it goes in, and it cuts when it comes out, and it cuts going in and coming out. And sometimes that becomes offensive to us, and we get offended at the Word of God, or we get offended at what it says we we must do. But the Bible does say, he that believeth and is baptized would be saved, and he that believeth not would be damned. That is straight language. That is firm language. And we must absolutely do what the Word of God says. If it says we ought to do some things, we ought to do them. If it says we ought not to do them, then we ought not to do them. And no matter of your self-justification and no matter what some postmodern TV preacher might be saying that it's all right today, it's not all right to do some things. It's not all right to go some places. It's not all right to conduct yourself in some ways. It's still right right to be pure. It's still right to be holy. It's still right to live by the word of God. Amen. 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 This ought to make you excited to remember we've got to do what's right. And our family is not going to make compromises. And when our family's together, we're not going to do some things. Amen. Amen. This is, this is, there needs to be a spirit. This is just, I've told you, I've, I've wandered off the reservation this morning, so pardon me. We don't know how we'll end up today. But there's got to be a spirit of moral purity in this church. Moral purity. Amen. People can make mistakes and we'll forgive. We'll pray the blood of Jesus Christ, but we never put an endorsement. We, we never, we never, we never applaud someone's moral failure in this church. People might make a mistake, but there's got to be a righteousness and a godliness and a moral purity in this church. Amen. Amen. They're all, you ought to be careful who you talk to. Be careful who you're texting. Be careful who you're talking to in a chat room. Be careful who you're talking to on the phone. Be careful who you're communicating with because you don't want to compromise your integrity and you don't want to let go of your moral purity. You don't need to have anything to do with somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband. There needs to be a spirit of moral purity connected to this church. Amen. Amen. There's got to be moral purity. There's got to be a spirit of righteousness and a spirit of godliness. And if somebody messes up, God will forgive. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cover any sin. But you cannot blatantly flirt with the devil or flirt with somebody else that you ought not to be flirting with and, and, and get away with it. Because there's consequence for those things. And you've got to remember this. There's times when you might fall in sin. And God will forgive you for that sin. God will forgive you. But there is a consequence to every sin. And while there might be forgiveness for the sin, there is no removal of the consequence. This is good preaching now. 
Amen. Let me smile a little bit, all right? So you're not so angry with me. But there is consequence for sin. Amen. And, and if you sow the wind, the Bible says, you reap the whirlwind. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. And so if you plan a lot of wrong, you can't sow your wild oats and blatantly walk into the house in the presence of God and everything just going to be all right because you're who you are, because your mom and daddy are who they are, or you put an X number of dollars in the offering plate, or you gave online last year. That doesn't matter. Sin is sin, and righteousness is righteousness. And no matter what we do, God will forgive our sin, but he does not remove the consequence of our sins. Hear me now, just because, I mean, let's face it, let's face it. There is a thing called restitution, and if I steal something from you, I need to give it back to you. But if I sin against you or against your family, and if there's a moral transgression that takes place, it's hard to, return, it's hard to give back moral transgression. You can't make restitution. you got to depend on the blood of Jesus Christ. And when the blood of Jesus Christ is working to forgive you so you can be saved and so you can go to heaven, there may also be some consequence of that. And there will be damage done to other families. There will be damage done to other young people when that takes place. I'm just kind of hung up on this. And I don't know a thing this morning. So somebody, if you've been looking over the fence, if temptation's been coming to you, hear pastor this morning. We're living in a new day. But this new concept of free sexuality and free immorality, it's not free. There's a consequence to that stuff. And in the name of Jesus, do what's right. In the name of Jesus, behave like you should behave. Behave with whom you're supposed to behave with correctly. Amen. Now, this is good preaching. Amen. And if this stops one problem, it's successful. If it, keeps some, if it makes somebody think twice before they just... David would not have made that mistake if he had been where he was so supposed to be, when he was supposed to be there. It was when kings go to battle, but he didn't go to battle. He was not where he was supposed to be. And if you're not where you're supposed to be in your prayer life, in your fasting life, in your word of God life, you don't know how you're going to respond in that moment of temptation. But I say unto you, you stay where you're supposed to be. You you show up at prayer meeting. You show up at Bible study. You show up on Sunday morning and Sunday night. You get in that altar. You get lost in the Spirit of God. You walk in the Holy Ghost. That way you don't have to worry about some of these things in your life. Amen. Amen. Pride and arrogance ought never to be a part of our church. Because when a man thinks he stands, he should take heed unless he fall. Amen. We can't get arrogant and prideful and think we got it all together because it's in that arrogant and prideful moment that a man will stumble, a woman will stumble, and there will be great transgression in your life when you think you stand. I got this all together. No, you don't have it all together. I've seen too many 75-year-olds make a fool out of themselves and go off track. I've seen too many 50-year-olds make mistakes and they go off track and they lose out with God in their 50s or their 60s. Just because you're getting old doesn't mean you're exempt from these failures. Amen. It's a new day. But we've got to bring these things forward, some things our fathers consecrated with us. Amen. Amen. There was a, de- it was a time. I, I, I'm, I'm hung here, so let's just see till I get loosed from here, okay? There was a time that 
that it was an understood in American society that that you go to, you know, at your job, you just didn't go to lunch on your job if you were a man with a lady alone. Y'all, do y'all remember those days? But something happened and then suddenly everybody goes to lunch with whomever. And it's just lunch. But it's always not just lunch. And you've got to guard your heart. Our integrity is absolutely so important. There's got to be integrity in your morals, integrity in your finances. Amen. I'm just, uh, just forgive me, folks. I, I, I apologize. That's one of the things I tell young men never do. Apologize for what you're feeling. But there's got to be integrity in this church where our finances are concerned. Every one of us ought to pay our bills. Every one of us ought to be a tither. That's our integrity. Amen. And that's between you and God. I mean, I mean, we have folks in our church that when, when they give their offering of tithe, uh, if they made, you know, if they made $66 and 66 cents, uh, let's get off of sixes. Okay. Let's get on sevens. Uh, $77 and 77 cents. They're going to divide that thing by 10 and they're going to tithe $7 and 77 cents to the penny. There's other folks that they just kind of round it to the nearest dollar. I like that guy that always rounds it up. Now, I just, that's the guy that I like. He rounds up, not rounds down. You understand? But the fact is, is nobody except you and God know what, what you make and what your tithe should be. Nobody but you and God. Okay? So whenever somebody waves around and said they tithe, but they, they kind of cut out 20% of God's 10%, Shaved a little bit off. You know, that doesn't affect the church negatively. But it sure affects what God knows about you negatively. That's the reason Ananias and Sapphira, they went in there saying, we sold our house. We're giving all the money, but they held back something. They didn't have to sell their house. They didn't have to do all that they did. But the problem is, is when we get involved with, with a holdback in our lives. You ever held something back in your life? No, forget money. Have you held back on your have you have you held back on your commitments? Have you held back on your prayer life? Have you held back on your faithfulness before? And and you acting like everything's wonderful, but you know there's a hold back in your life. And it's not that something's holding you back, it's you're holding something back. There's all those times when something comes and we get tempted. There's pressures on life and something's holding us back. But what's bad when the problem in our life is because we are holding something back. And the old timers, they used to have revival seven nights a week. I mean, some of y'all can remember seven night church. I'll never forget the first revival as a kid. They let us have off Monday night so the women could roll their hair and do laundry and stuff. Praise the Lord. Some of you old times remember going to church on Saturday night and the ladies would have those feather things on their head because they washed hair on Saturday night and they had their hair in curves and they wore those feather things. I mean, it was spooky. It was spooky. We got one night off. It was great. Now we're excited because in 2018 and the second weekend of October, we're going to have a revival Sunday. And we're excited. 
I know why you're excited. You're excited because you don't have to listen to me. I'm excited because I don't have to look at you. We're excited. How did we get here? I'll be done in seven or eight minutes, okay? And, and you, you can go. They don't like you. But we may have a little different method in this day we live in. But we better hang on to righteousness and truth, holiness and prayer, and faith and excitement for the things of God. And we better not have any kind of a hold back in our life that keeps us from holding back. There was a time when the pastor would say, okay, we're going to have a solemn assembly season. And everybody in this church is going to fast three days. There would be a time they would say, okay, if you're planning on being out of town for that revival service, you cancel your vacation. And if you didn't cancel your vacation, you had to deal with the pastor. Any of y'all remember those days? Aren't y'all glad you got a soft guy that just such a pushover now? But the fact of the matter is this. We have some different methods. We have different methods, but we must have some old things brought forward. But I want to focus on one verse, and that is where Asa brought things his father had consecrated. But also he put in there some things he had consecrated. I'm afraid that sometimes we live in a generation that is willing to not let go of some things that were consecrated in past generations. They'll, the things they were taught, they'll hang on to those things. But we live in a day when people don't want to make their own consecrations. They don't want to make their own consecrations. And Asa, he brought forward stuff dad had done. But the whole time, he was making new commitments and new consecrations to God. And if the young folks in this church start making consecrations, amen. Can I tell you something? I've just been to the general conference, and I hear people say the church isn't what it used to be. If you hear that, understand you're listening to a lying spirit. I am blown away with the numbers, the numbers of young people who are consecrating their lives to God. Our university and our Bible colleges are all at record levels this year. Our youth day service, and they, they, this was unusual. I've never seen them do this before. They did a head count every service. You saw the ushers counting everybody in the room. They did a physical head count in every service. And they, they reported back that our youth day service was the largest ever in in recorded history of the United Pentecostal Church, that place was full of young people worshiping God. So if you hear reports the church is not as good as it used to be, somebody's lying. Amen. Somebody's lying because it's great. Let me tell you something. Around this church... I am believing that there are going to be families rise up and they're going to make consecrations about things. 
And we've had families come to me recently and say, you know, we've made this consecration in our home. We've done this with our home. We've done this with our family. And it's not something that they're being asked to do. And I'm thinking, this is old-time apostolic when people are starting to consecrate things on their own. And they, didn't, they weren't told to do it from the pulpit. They weren't inferred or it wasn't implied in some Bible lesson they should do some of these things. They felt on their own they need to consecrate something to God. And as a family, they did. And I pray that within the reach of this family, the extended church family, extended ministry, there be men and women and young adults who determine in their heart that we are going to make some new consecrations to God. We're not just going to ride on mom and dad's consecrations, but we're going to dedicate and consecrate some things. We're going to go further and do more than our parents did. Amen. There's nothing wrong with, with the church being bigger than it ever was. There's nothing wrong with our kids deciding they're going to give more money than we ever gave. There's nothing wrong with our young adults saying we're going to pray more than the old timers ever taught us to pray. There's not a thing wrong with that. I believe there needs to be something stirring in the heart of this church where the young folks uh, and the families that worship here, they decide, you know what? Uh, we're going to make a consecration ourselves, and it's just not going to be what we heard when we were growing up. It's not going to be what we heard pastor talking about the way it used to be, but we're going to start something in our church. We're going to start something in our family and we're going to set some things aside and we're going to make some new consecrations and our church is going to be better than it ever has been because we're going to be more consecrated and we're going to do more for God than we've ever done before. We're going to set some things aside, our own consecrations. And the Bible said Asa, Asa, he dedicated And brought forward those things that his dad had consecrated. And then those things that he himself had consecrated. You know, I would love to come here to this church sometime. And it happens occasionally. But in those moments when I come here during the week. And there's a car out front. And I hear the echo of somebody in here. Seeking the Lord all by themselves during the middle of the week. I love that when that happens. Because I know in that moment, I know in that moment that that person is consecrating something to God. My dad built a church in Aransas past Texas years ago. It was blown down by Harvey Hurricane uh, last year and they built a new church. But I was down there about two years ago. I spent a couple of days off. And I, I drove by that church. I know the pastor that's there now. There were no cars there. But I, I just got out and I went up there and I shook the front door. And it was open. So I walked in. I went in the sanctuary. I went and sat on the front row. And the pastor and his wife and his daughter and some other people came in and caught me. And I just want them to know that, that I wasn't. I wasn't trying to steal anything. I was just there in their church. And then they knew me, so we wound up talking a few moments. But I spent about 20 minutes in that church. My wife was in the car all by myself. And I was talking to the Lord. Because I remembered some consecrations I made in that church. And it was in that place that God established some calls in my life. And all those years later, I was able to walk right back to the same place where that dad had built And I was able to remember that dad built this place. But also, I was a part 
of some, there was some consecration that took part in my life in this place. And as I was able to go back and revisit just two years ago, the changes and some things that I had done in my life because I had consecrated some things to God in that place. Church, hear me this morning. Every one of us needs to be able to make new consecrations to God. You think there's nothing I can consecrate to God. Are you telling me you can't get closer to him? You can't dedicate something to him? You can't make commitments to him? You've arrived? None of us, none of us have arrived. Would you stand with me this morning? It's 1130.